Whoa! Welcome back to Preview Review. It's been a minute. Episode 14, right? Yep, this is episode 14. Go back and count. There's 14 of them. One, what, what's that? Two, oh, three, this isn't episode 14. The, the last episode we put out was 12? Oh. Wait, yeah, this would be 13. Tyler, if I'm, uh, I'm not mistaken, I think this is only episode 13. What was I talking well, about a minute ago? No, Ryan, this is episode 14. Un- unfortunately, okay, here's the tea. You probably are wondering, for one, why did we call this episode 14 and it's really the 13th one we've released? And also, where have we been the last couple weeks? Because there's been some dead air and we haven't released a new episode. Everyone's been so worried about us, Tyler. Well, our fan base. Fear not. You can hold off on calling out, calling out the search party because... Here's what happened. We're back. Everything was on schedule. We had recorded a new episode. Yeah, we weren't some lazy boys. I had spent hours editing it. And then I went to go publish it. I was just dropping in our phenomenal theme song, which has received critical acclaim. And everybody loves it. (laughs) Who's critiqued it? (laughs) Our fans. So it has popular acclaim. They were critical of it. And they were acclaiming it usually when someone's critical of something it's like a bad thing though they were offering positive feedback okay 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 anyways i go in to add the theme song and what happens the program i use to edit this podcast which will remain nameless because we're not trying to shame anyone here we're not shaming anyone no but also they have a culture yeah like i don't want to negatively affect them but i also haven't been paid money to positively like hashtag not them. a sponsor hashtag no one has ever so this, sponsored this us. this nameless editing we don't software burn any bridges. crashed and we lost the whole episode i even rebooted my computer and rebooted the software and it didn't even do the emergency recovering bump, that bump. has saved oh. me once before this was our first glimpse into what loss is like <laughs> you've never experienced loss this is the before. first time i've ever had to grieve anything well, this and both my grandpas, but... But what was worse? Jerry's still out. <laughs> Anyways, episode 13 was our unlucky episode, and we dropped it. But, if you're wondering, well, we'd still like to hear what you had to say about all those movies that we talked about on episode 13. Oh, you mean the movies Motherless Brooklyn, The Current War, The Director's Cut, Dark Waters, and 21 Bridges? Yeah, if you're saying we'd still like to hear your takes, maybe just, you know, record it again and publish it. Too bad. You don't get it. What's past is past, what's lost is lost, and you will have to grieve alongside us, and you'll never know our thoughts on Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent in the current war trailer. Uh, It's a lost episode for a reason, but we will tell you the winner of that episode was Dark Waters, And there was a fun bit about a cow. You'll just have to believe us. But that's not all. The tea continues to spill, Ryan. Because the day after I lost the podcast and I was in mourning, I was thinking, don't worry, we can record another episode this week. We'll get one out the week after. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. we didn't. And the reason for that is the morning after I lost the podcast. The morning of the morning? I was washing dishes. Oh, and as I, one does therapeutically while grieving. I broke a glass on my hand and had to go to the ER and received seven stitches in my right hand on my index finger knuckle 
and rendered my hand essentially useless as for one about does a week while and they're half. grieving. And so, not only did we lose episode 13, but we also could not record as I could not use my computer and edit an episode for about another week. So here we are, what, maybe two and a half weeks since we last recorded an episode. Who knows? We're not keeping track. We recorded one, and it was lost, and that's all I know. And then you hurt yourself, and we made a chili. Oh, yes. But in the meantime, we entered a chili into our, a chili cook-off that we participated in. And we won best overall chili. It was our first time entering, and we've already peaked Tyler. <laughs> it was a life-changing moment, and I think the perfect thing for a redemption arc, since our, you know, we the lost loss of the our podcast. podcast and my injury. Basically, when they make a movie about my life, this is going to be, like, the main arc of the plot. It's like, it's going to open, I'll be fine, a unsuccessful but enjoying Happy. podcasting. We'll lose the podcast. I'll get injured. That's like the big twist where you think things are looking up and then all of a sudden another bad thing happens. Mm-mm. And then the redemption, my recovery, and me making an award-winning chili. This is how it ends so people can go home and have a smile on their face. Yeah, they need you need the chili win so that people don't like basically sob and get in a car accident on the way home. Exactly. In the theater. Yeah. They can just... Be happy and go to some place that sells chili. Chilies. Their chili is not good. It's okay. I think their chili has too much meat in it. But we can do a chili podcast what on is, the side. What is a good restaurant chili, though? Good restaurant chili? Like, I feel like all the best chili I've had is homemade. That's true. Restaurants, they haven't really restaurant cornered chili that market just fine. Yet. Yeah. Like, I know people praise the Wendy's chili. I've never had it, and I don't care. Wendy's to, chili to is okay, honestly. Um, It's, like, really good for what it is because it's a fast food chili. So that's, like, the impressive part. You know, like, how Jack in the Box tacos are, like, impressive because you're They're not... They're not ex- good tacos. You're, you're not, not good tacos for Jack in the Box. from Jack in the Box. Yeah. It's like that, but with Wendy's chili. Like, you don't expect it. To be as good as it is. But since you're not expecting it to be good. But then when it's okay. You're you're like like, pleasantly surprised. It's good. But really is it? Anyways this has been the tea. And also chili talk. Two non-recurring segments. Unless we find out more about chili. Next year when we win the chili cook off again. We'll bring it back up. A, A perhaps annually recurring segment on this podcast. Is chili talk. Okay Ryan. We've barely touched on this. If people are joining us for the first time on this episode, what is this podcast about? What are we doing here? Why are we talking to this microphone? Well, we start every week out by start talking about our favorite fast food chilies. Then we go into talk a little bit more about our life tragedies. And by the end of it, you're going home with a smile on, a fi- on your face. Yeah, or stopping at Chili's. Or Wendy's. Or Jack in the Box. All of which have food. Anyway, mainly what I like to do on this podcast, other than chili talk, is trailer talk. Yeah, we discuss the trailers, the previews, if you will, for upcoming movies, Mm. and just our general thoughts about them, assumptions that we gain from the trailer, insights that we gain. Misconceptions. What we're looking forward to the most, what we're maybe not looking forward to the most, Um, and also, we like to talk about movies. That's the podcast highlight. Well... I mean, we also like to talk about just random other happenings in the world of film. 
And then we play a couple fun games sometimes, too. Maybe we crack wise a couple times, you know? There's a couple jokes here and there. Hee hee ha ha's. No, I'm pretty much straight face the whole time. He couldn't even say it was a straight face. Anyways, That's how hilarious this podcast is. We have is. an exciting uh, feature in this week's episode because some of our more regular listeners will know that we've been waiting for the summer box office to finally pack up and, and head home. Oh, and you know what? Here's more tea. The day we decide to do the summer movie box office recap, fucking Box Office Mojo, our main source for box office information, goes and does a total overhaul of the site and gets rid of the one section of their website that I have been gaining all this box office information from. Luckily, I frequent this website so often that I know what the top 10 are and it won't affect the game at all but i'm pissed yeah we will actually call it box office mojo unlike our recording software it has not positively affected us since the change box office mojo if you're listening there's still time you've just updated your website format switch it back i know you're sponsored by imd pro now or whatever but fuck them okay you can do it on your own you've been doing it for years you don't need IMDb. So anyways, this game, our summer box office movie, movie game, where Ryan and I each made a top ten list of the movies that we think would make the most money over the summer, and then we said that at the end of the summer, we would look at the actual top ten and rank ourselves and see which one got the most movies correct in the right spot on our top ten lists. That ends today, because summer is over on a... October 23rd. This is actually the last day of summer, if you look at the calendars. If you've been wondering why it's been taking so long, it's because we wanted to give the movies that came out in August a chance, and the game is officially ending now, because last time I was able to check Box Office Mojo, the old beautiful glory site that it was, now garbage hole, shithole, fucking trash place that it is now. The last time I checked the week in Box Office, there was not a summer movie in the top ten anymore. Which means they're making diddly squat anymore. It's fall movie season now. But we're not going to play that game. Because no. box office mojo's dead to us. This one doesn't deserve a moment of silence, I, Tyler. I have, I'm, I'm in mourning now. No, we're in, we're in the anger stage. Ryan sticks straight to anger. <laughs> Maybe he's just no longer than I am. He's farther along in his process. I found out today. But I found out a couple hours before you did, so to be fair, it's been a little bit more of a process. Anyways, yeah, but I feel like October, like, really, Halloween's right around the corner, and really summer doesn't end until it's Halloween time. Like, because everyone's like, oh, it's fall, but then, like, is it fall until Halloween happens? It was 91 degrees yesterday. Yeah, this has been awful, and the only thing that has separated summer and Halloween for me in the past was going to school, but now that I don't go to school and I just work, it just seems like it's been summer, and now it's, like, shifting into, like, Halloween thanksgiving like the that fall holiday season so it seems like that like this has just been an extended summer to me so it makes sense that we're only recapping our summer movie game today is what i'm saying i'm glad it makes sense to you tyler i hope it makes sense to the viewers and listeners at home as well are we doing that now no i'm just saying that was a tease for later oh, okay episode. okay all right are you ready to jump into the first trailer wait too bad we still got more business to take care We're of. We're still doing this up is fronts. What, this is what happens when we have so much housekeeping Why are to you do. Panting? I don't know. <laughs> I've gotten really stressed all of a sudden because I saw that we're already like twelve minutes into this recording. 
And we haven't even touched on anything that's happening, like, on today's episode. Okay, on today's episode, we are going to talk about the trailers for the mo- upcoming movies. Honey Boy, mm. Ford v. Ferrari, Vroom. Queen and Slim, and Black Christmas. <laughs> but before we jump into those, Ryan, in the last couple weeks, you have seen movies that we have previously talked about on this podcast. Tell us what you see and what you think. Welcome to Ryan's Review Roundup. We don't have time for the theme song this week. We're jumping right in. First off, here are the ones that were on the last episode, and I'm doing a quick review. It's a thumbs up, thumbs down review, so if you're not watching, you're not going to see it. Good thing this podcast is audio and visual, right, Tyler? Do you see a camera in the room? I don't know where you hide your cameras, Tyler. (laughs) The first hidden camera podcast. (laughs) All right, Goldfinch, Ad Astra, Hustlers. Perfect, and if you want a more in-depth review, they're on the Lost episode. Here we go, the movies that actually get to be reviewed this week. Number one, Joker. This movie's a really good movie. I feel like there's a lot of controversy surrounding it and a big conversation topic, and I'm kind of over that. I just want people to appreciate this film for what it is, and not for the shit the director's been saying. Jexy, this movie's shit. Next. It's so bad. <laughs> Gemini Man, this movie's also bad, but it tried really hard to be good. So... I give it points for trying. And Maleficent 2. Maleficent 2 is this weird spot in my review list because it's not horrible. It's better than the first one. I didn't like the first one. But it's also really weird. And when I went in to see Maleficent 2, I did not expect to be in a theater with a very traumatized, bawling child and to witness genocide on the screen, not in the theater. (laughs) Oh my god. So but other Ryan, than that, I like Maleficent 2. If you had to rank the movies, we've never done this before, but I think Ooh. this is the perfect set. If you had to rank the movies that you are Ryan's review roundupping today, how would you rank them in order of best to worst? Alright, best Joker, then Maleficent to Mistress of Darkness. That's the title. Um, then Gemini Man, then Jexy. Jexy's way down there. Joker's way up there. And then, yeah, the other two are in the middle. Nice, I like it. Alright, finally, jumping into the first original topic of today's episode, based on our recent tragedy. Ryan, what is your favorite Lost movie? Ooh. You can, this is open to interpretation. This could be a movie that involves people getting lost. This could be a, a movie that has been lost from recent memory. This, is, this could be a movie that has the word lost in the title, really. It's mm. all in your court, Ryan. Wow. You know, when I think about my favorite Lost movie... First thing that came to mind was my favorite movie where people get lost. But now that I'm thinking about it more, I think I'm going to reinterpret the question on the fly, Tyler. Don't be scared now. I'm going to... A look of fear just crossed my face. You all saw it because this is an audiovisual podcast. Um, I'm thinking this movie was lost, but guess what? Now it's found. My, I've turned the Amazing question in. Grace. It's... <laughs> My favorite found footage movie. my The movie shot in the style of a found footage, like uh, Blair Witch, but that's not my favorite, but that's a good example. Yeah, it's it's also the best found footage movie, so anything you say now. Oh, well, it's not. I don't like that movie. Um, the best found footage movie, I believe, I really like Chronicle. It's a movie starring Dane DeHaan, who has made some questionable acting choices recently. But he was good then, and he was relatively unknown. It had Michael B. Jordan in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about these teenagers who got superpowers. It was like a super villain origin story movie, 
but through the lens of found footage. And I thought it was really cool, and I really liked the way they used the found footage style to reflect the main character as how he was always hiding behind his camera, and that is why it made sense. Nice. Tyler, what is your favorite Lost movie? My favorite Lost movie is not my favorite found footage movie. This movie isn't even close to being found footage. Um, It's just my favorite movie that has the word Lost in the title. And if you're thinking Dora and the Lost City of Gold, that is not what I'm thinking. Mm. But it it might be similar. It is, of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This movie is so iconic, so classic. One of Harrison Ford's best performances one of my favorite movies of all time with the most iconic scores in all of cinema. Like, it's it's like one of the perfect movies. It's so good. So rewatchable. It launched a fantastic franchise with maybe a questionable fourth entry. But, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. The character of Indiana Jones is so iconic now. And I just love that movie so much. That The opening scene, like, from the moment the Paramount logo turns into the mountain and that whole opening scene up until, you know, the whole through the whole boulder running away and swapping out the idol for the sandbag and then like until that last scene where he jumps on the uh plane the seaplane that's what they're called um that's just like one of the best opening sequences in film history and this movie is just so exciting and so fun and i love to watch nazi face melts so tyler when you talk about the opening of this movie it immediately makes me think of the animated film chicken little with zach brown because this film's so iconic that the animated characters in Chicken Little go to the theater and watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it's not animated. It's just the regular movie. Iconic. Also, Chicken Little transcendent. I just I just saw like a clip from the movie Chicken Little uh, on like Twitter or something from, <laughs> for some meme or whatever. And I made the realization that Zach Braff playing Chicken Little in that movie is just John Mulaney. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> But it was before John Mulaney was a thing, so we couldn't get him. It was our first our first uh, foray into the Mulaney-verse. Anyway, Tyler. Let's jump into the first trailer for this week's episode. You talked about the fourth entry not being your favorite thing in this franchise. But that's the one that has Shia LaBeouf. Just like our first movie, Honey Boy. That was a segue, baby. I love it. <laughs> Alright, Honey Boy is a movie that's going to be released on November 8th of this year, directed by Alma Harrell, who has previously done films such as Bombay Beach and the documentary Love True, and it stars Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, Noah Jupe, FKA Twigs, Natasha Leone, and Martin Starr. So this film, the premise of this film is it's like a fictionalized telling of Shia LaBeouf's childhood and like early adult years in the acting industry. So when this trailer opens... We see Lucas Hedges, who's playing like the young adult version of fictional Shia LaBeouf. I don't think his name's actually Shia LaBeouf in the movie. It's like... His name's Honey Boy. I don't know. That's what we're calling him from now on. It's like a new person, but it's supposed to be representative of his career of Shia. And so he's like facing the camera and he goes like, no, 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 no. And then there's like a big explosion and he flies back and you're like, whoa, action movie. But then the camera stays on him and all of a sudden the explosion goes away and he's hanging on wires and you hear the director yell, cut, and the people walk out. And like go to take him off of the bricks, and, and you're like, place. oh my gosh, they they left the camera running on this trailer. How embarrassing! Now I saw the, I saw all the crew members, but then you're like, oh, this is like a behind the scenes look at like the production mm-hmm. of film. And then I wish I was a little bit taller. I, I wish, wish I was, I was a baller. baller. That song plays, and we see 
little Noah Jupe, we see Lucas Hedges, and we see, like, oh, this is the life of a child-slash-young-adult star in... Hollywood. Hollywood and like they're in a car crash and they're on well, they're set. Well, they're not in the car crash together. No, the young version and the old version. They don't not. exist at Lucas the same Hedges time. Lucas Hedges is in a car crash. This isn't some weird time the travel. The young boys movie. like go for a piggyback ride. We see the young boys filming a kind of over the top like sitcom type of thing, which is obviously representative of even Stevens. Well, he falls back channel. on the wires too. Yeah, with the pie it, in his face. Mm-hmm, it's a mirroring. It's like poetry. It rhymes. I never would have thought that we would have quoted George Lucas on multiple episodes of this podcast. Now it's a running gag. We got to do it as often as we can. Anyways, I re- and then the coolest part about this movie, in my opinion, is that Shia LaBeouf is in the movie and he plays the father of the fictionalized version of himself. Oh, honey dad. And so he's basically, <laughs> he's basically playing <laughs> honey dad. his own father or like a fictional version of his father. And this this movie seems to be primarily about their relationship with one another mm-hmm. and then how that relationship affects I only see in the trailer I think we only see the father interacting with the young version like the child version but it so I'm talks assuming about... that maybe and that I'm assuming maybe like the dad is no longer in his life and then mm-hmm. we see how it affects Lucas Hedges mm-hmm. like when he's an older actor how his upbringing has affected him not only his upbringing within the like film industry but also his upbringing was specifically like his father being like mm-hmm. looks like he's like his manager or is involved so like he's mm-hmm. on set he's doing things with him and then the young boy comes to the realization that oh you wouldn't be here if i wasn't paying you and so like it's this weird strange relationship where the only reason the dad is able to support himself is through his son mm-hmm. and he's relying on the son to survive and it's it's pretty gnarly it's like a pretty interesting family dynamic and i'm really excited i really like the idea of seeing the behind the scenes of of the even stevens <laughs> not just even stevens oh but transformers like, just of what it is like being a child actor because i think that is a common thing that is like blown up and like the tmz like social media like world of like mm-hmm. look at all the like crazy child know, stars now they're doing heroin yeah, mug shots of miley cyrus and justin bieber or whatever but like they're just trying to live to see now this like more like not just because it's fictionalized, but this more, like, dramatic and, like, more sincere... Like a catharsis Yeah, exactly. Coming from Shia, Shia himself. He wrote of, it. Of, like, I'm going to show you what this was like to me. Instead of having it be, like, this, like, crowd, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, attack on child stars or whatever type of thing. And I never think... I never feel like Shia has gotten a lot of that. Sure, maybe some of that, but it, he's never mm-hmm. been, like... A huge person where people are like, look at how crazy Shia LaBeouf has gone. I feel like they like, have. Like, do you remember that thing in L.A. a couple years back where he just sat oh, in a room? I'm not famous anymore. Like, I'm not famous anymore. Big... And he had an exhibit where people could come and he just sat there and people could do whatever they wanted to him. Yeah. Like, it, and it's he did the just affected, do it It's mean. definitely his, affected his mental health. I guess I'm just saying, like, I don't think people have judged him for, like, criminal activity or anything like that. But it's definitely, like, mm-hmm. it definitely affected him on a more personal level. And so I'm excited to see, like his retelling of how that has happened over the course of his years. And what I also love about this trailer is like, it it points out like it has some of the like critical acclaim and stuff like that. And one of the quotes that they throw on the screen is an egoless retelling. And so like Shia LaBeouf is removing himself out of the equation, removing like his ego from it and just kind of laying it all out there with all the emotion that comes from him, but not trying to like build himself up to be like, I'm taking that to tell me like, he's not trying to build himself up to be the good guy or the hero of his own story it's it's more about him like conveying in a more neutral way like these are the events that happened in my life and sure like maybe some of them shouldn't have maybe i did something wrong maybe other people wronged me 
but like here is what happened type of thing mm-hmm. um yeah definitely an interesting line talking more about the father-son dynamic is when lucas had just says something like i don't drink because of my dad i work because of my dad so maybe this idea that like he's an alcoholic because his father pushed him to work so hard or he has this idealized version of his father in his head but then when flashback into the like younger scenes with Noah Jupe and Shia LaBeouf, Honey Dad, um, and you see he his dad was a rodeo clown and he's crying and sniffling, like saying, "If this doesn't work out for you, your mom has a job just in case." Like you're the breadwinner of the family, and putting that all on the like shoulders mm-hmm. of this child. And also, the dad saying, "Like I could never make it in Hollywood. You have to. You're going to be a star." And so it's kind of also this like story of projection, mm-hmm. this expectation like, that's mm-hmm. like unrealistic for a child, honestly. Um, yeah, and I think that Shia's gone to this point. Like, we were talking about character arcs earlier in this episode with your tragedy, Tyler. And Shia's life has gone through that. And he's on the upswing now, but he's looking back, retelling the hardships. So it would be like if you were looking back and telling the time that you lost the episode. But, like, from years down the line, like, after many successful chilly wins and, like, published episodes of the podcast okay, i don't want to trivialize shia labeouf's career maybe by comparing he, it to maybe in a couple years box office mojo will be back to normal anyways this movie looks really great and i'm super excited for it and i like that it is kind of like it's a little bit like ethereal and looks like it's like trying to be very avant-garde in the way that it portrays these elements but it also at the core is like a very real story mm-hmm. and a very real dynamic that i think is present even with people that aren't actors like even with people whose parents maybe like didn't go to college and now feel that stress from their parents to like go through you know school and be successful Mm -hmm. like i feel like this is sort of a universal tale but it's being specified from the experiences of shia labeouf and and i'm really excited to see yeah i'm also really excited for this movie um a small detail that i love about this movie is the outfit that noah jupe is wearing while he's filming this non-even stevens it's movie totally looks like, the even stevens looks like movie. even stevens the floral shirt and, and the, he's like, got cargo pants it's like so like 2001 like 12 year old kid look and it's beautiful yeah so good if you don't take anything else away from this podcast just know they did the costuming well in honey boy this Movie also makes me want to go back and watch like old episodes of Even Stevens. Like mm. I wish this was on Hulu or something. I would totally this is have... going to be on Disney Plus. Hashtag not a sponsor. Oh my gosh! You can watch the Even Stevens. The Even Stevens movie was really good. That's the Tiki one, right? Yeah, where they're on like the fake version of Survivor. All I remember about Even Stevens is we went well, like it's to the Survivor moon in nineteen sixty nine. That's the flu episode where they all have the flu. And they stay home, but they dream that they go to school and everything's a musical now. Wow. For Spoilers reason, for the flu episode. Every Disney Channel like a TV show had like a musical episode. Like there was a, one of That's So Raven where there was like American Idol judges coming in. I don't remember this Costume in disguise to like scout the school. It was like Star Search, but they were like wow. in disguise looking for musical talent. And then like, so all the different That's So Raven characters were like breaking out into musical numbers. Oh, did you know every episode of Hannah Montana is the musical episode? Well, they actually have only one episode where there's no music in it whatsoever. Really? What, what do they do in that one? Um, it's the one where, where um, they talk? Hannah Montana dies. Oh, R.I.P. And goes to hell. That, that seems interesting. I'd watch that. And then she makes a deal with Does Satan Miley die or just Hannah? Hannah dies, but then they have, like, they have to say, like, oh no. They have to explain away why Miley's also gone. 
<laughs> Willow's like, oh, she just went on a vacation. She's not dead. Forever! Jackson goes, my sister's fine, and he's holding back tears. It's like weekend at Bernie's. They're <laughs> just carrying around her body. That's why there's no music, because it's such a somber, like, ta- tale. All right. <laughs> I want to keep making up musical or non-musical episodes <laughs> of Trailer channel shows. number two. Ford V Ferrari. Oh, vroom vroom. You know how much Ryan and I love cars. We talk We're about the, it almost episode. What are they called? Almost every episode of this podcast. Car heads. Is that a thing? It's gear car, heads. Car talk or something. There's car like talk. an NPR that's an podcast. NP, that's, that's dead though. They stopped doing car talk. R.I.P. Car talk. But those guys. Well, I actually drive a Ford, so I'm actually close. And I to actually being drive a Ferrari. With... <laughs> <laughs> I you don't. wish. I drive a car from 2003, and it's not a Ferrari. Anyway, this movie is all about, um, what is it, 1968? Hang on. It comes out on November 15th. It's directed by James Mangold, who previously has done films such as Logan, Walk the Line, and 310 to Yuma. And this film stars Matt Damon, Christian Bale, John Bernthal, Noah Jupe, and Tracy Letts. Now, Ryan, as you were oh. saying, this movie this is, is about, all about like, 1966 the Le Mans race. Oh, yes. This big famous other, uh, car race in France. In other countries, the film's actually called Le Mans 66. But you know us Americans. We'll, we'll never understand what that. We're like, what's it's Le Mans? French. And it's also like a niche car thing. Like these, like some people like French words in America. Some people like cars in America. But there's no one in between. There's no overlap yeah, in that, the Venn diagram. diagram. There's is, no one in the middle. Ooh, foreshadowing. But there is... A lot of people that like the year 1966. Well, there's also a lot of people who like Fords and a lot of people that like Ferraris. And a lot of people that like Matt Damon and Christian And if Bale. you want to get those people to the movies, you name your movie Ford v. Ferrari. And, and all those people make, you love also make court the word cases. Ford in blue and the word Ferrari in red, so then it also brings both Republicans and Democrats into well, the theater. The because poster, it's really just a political... It's like a political ad- allegory, basically. The poster is mainly red, white, and blue. So you look at that and you go, damn. So American. That's an American poster. It's got a car on it. It's got Ford Motors in the title. And it's got Matt Damon and Christian Bale, only you know, one of whom is American. Yeah, and Christian Bale, American icon, even if he's not British. Because he's a lot of people's Batman. And for Batman... The American people just associate that he stands for justice and the American way. I thought that was more like Superman. But Batman they're friends. Okay. Anyway, um, so this race, is, this movie is all about um, Ford is trying to win a race against Ferrari, which is laughable. But then, um, but it's not them racing. It's like no, their no, cars. No, no. They're, they're like they're car. the manufacturers. They're the bourgeoisie, if exactly. you will. Exactly. But they're like, if you really want to win the race, you got to get the right racer yeah. to drive the car. It's not about having the right car. It's about having the right race car driver. Well, it's kind of about both because Matt Damon's trying to build the perfect car, but he's also trying to cre- recruit Christian Bale. What's his name? Ken Shelby. To drive. No, the car. Shelby is the dude that designs the car. No, Shelby's the driver. No. Let me look. Let me Shelby's the designer of the car because he invented the Shelby Cobra. This is a thing that I do know from my uncle who actually oh, likes cars. I meshed them together. Matt Damon's character is called Carol Shelby, but Christian Bale's character is called Ken Miles. Miles. I that's called me. him you know, Ken well, this Shelby. Well, that's actually that's what that's why units of measurement of distance are actually called miles because yes. out of this guy because he drove so many miles that they were like no one else has done this before we have to name it a mile after him mm-hmm. and every 66 miles is called a ken 
Yeah, exactly. So Ken, aka Mr. 66 Distance, is going to go up and try to race this car. But he's a hot-headed racer man, and he's off his temper, and it's hard to quell him. And then Mr. Ford, played by the dude from Lady Bird, what's that guy's name? Tracy Lutz. Exactly. Is like, we got to get this guy under control. And then, uh-oh, Coke sponsorship is in the middle of this ad. Uh, we got to drink Coca-Cola. It's the only way. It's the American way. That was a weird segue, but that's how the trailer does it. Um, and there's swelling music, and John Bernthal's like, huh, Ferrari called you fat. And I'm like, okay, we're doing Yo Mama jokes now and Ford v. Ferrari? It's, Whatever. It's Joe Mama now, Ryan. This is 2019. Well, but this is 1966, Tyler. Okay. <laughs> so... It's all about getting this racer to race the car, but it's also about convincing Ford to like make the car fast and also be nice to the racer. And then it all comes down to the big race. Find out who wins by Googling it, looking in your history book, or coming to the theater on November something something. I think you can also, like if they're making a movie about it, you probably know who wins. The big company that's evil, as portrayed as evil, in the commercial... Like the whole... Or the nice this trailer American is like, one. this guy's won this race so many times, we finally had to take our opportunity to try and beat him. And I feel like if you were going to tell that story, you wouldn't tell it about a time that the other dude also just still won the race. I mean, you might, but would it be a good movie and would it be a smart decision? Probably not, but it depends on how you do it. I just feel like, <laughs> here's my take. This movie looks fine. It looks good, like good performances, blah, 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 whatever. I don't really care about cars, but sure, the races are like shot well or whatever. I don't know. But my take is that if this movie, like if this movie doesn't end with Ford, like the Ford car winning, then this movie like didn't need to get made at all. So then like, what's the point? I'm interested in this movie to see the performances from Christian Bale and Matt Damon, because I know they're always great actors and they're going to bring their A game to anything they have. And this looks like it was sold to them as some, like, Oscar bait piece. And, you know, actors always want dim Oscars, so... Yeah, even though I don't even know if this will get, like, any praise or consideration. But... Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know how good it is. I've only seen the trailer. Last time we predicted a movie that was going to, like, get a lot of Oscar buzz, it was The Goldfinch. And as you remember from my review, it was... I just showed you if it was a thumbs up or a thumbs down, so if you're watching, you know. Um... It wasn't good. So, and that's not going to get any review con awards consideration. So you never know until it comes out, until the critics have spoken. But right now we're before that time and it's preview review time. Preview's okay. Yeah, the trailer doesn't do anything like innovative or new, but it it's basically a standard like biographical drama mm -hmm. trailer. Like, here's people that you know as actors. Ooh, but they're playing real people from history. Ah, and look. There's an exciting historical event that's coming up, and we're going to see what the outcome of it was, even though it already happened and you can just find out. Yeah, but then this argument kind of breaks down any biopic or historical drama. We're not trying to bash that genre as a like, Well, that's whole. why I prefer whether like the untold story, which I guess this is because I really, like, off the top of my head, I don't know who won this race, but I can kind of... Mm -hmm. You know, we can make our best guess. We're educated. So I guess it would be kind of cool to see like the behind the scenes. Like I'm interested in the story because someone thought it was worth telling. Um, they got a great director behind it. They got great actors. I think they have all the pieces to make a good movie. 
I think the only thing that is not working for me is that I'm not really interested in car races from 1966. So that's the hardest selling point for me. But it's also the premise of the movie, which is why I'm not as enthusiastic as I would be if it was about another subject that I was more interested in. Also, Ryan, I realized that we've committed a great sin because we were like, look at this poster. It's all red, white, and blue. How American. But the France flag is also red, white, and blue. I knew that going into it, Tyler. But the point of that whole part of the episode was to show how they were selling this movie to Americans. But they're also subtly still saying... I, we'd have to look up the poster for Le Mans 66, which is what they're calling it in European countries, and see if it still has red, white, and blue, or if that's purely an American thing. Um, riff while also, I do you think that this movie will do well in Canada? Because even though Canada is not France, they do speak French there. And so I would say that they would probably promote it as Le Mans 66 because they could at least pronounce it correctly. But will it do well, or do you think that they'll just kind of be like, Oh, that's that's for the French mainlanders, not over here in what is Canada like French Hawaii, basically, or like French Puerto Rico. I just found the poster and I wasn't listening to anything you were saying. And there, the Le Mans sixty six poster is much worse. It's like superimposed their faces on things. Um, it's still red, the white, and blue. Bottom half of it, the bottom half of the Le Mans sixty six poster looks like like a Cars movie, like because uh-huh. it's just cars on the road that and looks very animated. And the top of it is just Matt Damon and Christian Bale wearing mugging, like getting angry, like it's a bad. And it could poster. be any sport event ever. Yeah. Okay. The like American poster is better. Just the bottom half or just the top half are both bad posters, oh. and you put them together, and it just makes I a worse poster. I think this is a British poster. It also says, based on the true story of Ford versus Ferrari, right above the title, Le Mans 66. So they still don't believe that you oh, know. Oh, so this is the movie that's about the making of the movie Ford v. Ferrari, no, which no, is about no. the Le Mans 66 it's race. It's based on the true story of Ford versus Ferrari, which is very different than the okay, film so Ford v. Ferrari. Okay, so Ford vs. Ferrari was a movie. No, no, and no. Then... The movie's called Ford v. Ferrari. But the V and stands for verses. They just spelled it verses. out. You don't know. The V could stand for Virgin. Ford, Ford Virgin Ferrari. Ferrari. You never know. Alright, Ryan. Well, as you mentioned earlier, the Venn diagram between people in America that care about France and people in the U.S. who care about cars is sparsely populated in the middle, let's just say. Hmm. But where are the virgins, Tyler? And after that, I said foreshadowing, and here's why. Because today, the segment that we are doing now is called Venn Diagram, and here's how it works. Listeners, previously to the recording of this podcast, Ryan provided me with two categories. I have put them on a Venn Diagram, and I have figured out movies that fit in either one category, the other category, or in the middle of this Venn Diagram, because as you know... A Venn diagram is a graphic organizer in which things belong to either one category alone or in the middle and belong to both categories at the same time. I think this sounds like an exciting game. I'm ready to put things in either the Venn category, the diagram category, or in the middle in the Venn diagram category. So the categories for today's game are movies that have a budget of under $60 million. So this is a fairly small budget. Itty bitty. Well, not super itty bitty. But... Like a studio film that was made for a low budget. Probably a high budget indie film. Yes. And also movies that were released in 2013. So it could be one. It could be the other. 
or it could be both. Basically, I'm going to name a movie, and Ryan has to tell me if he thinks if it has a budget less than $60 million, if it was released in 2013, or if both are true and it has a budget of less than $60 million and was released in 2013. And just to clarify, none of these films fall into none of the categories, correct? Yes, every film falls into one of these categories. Or both. Are you ready to play, Ryan? Yes, all the clarification has been pushed to the side, and I know everything. Alright, Ryan. The first movie that you have to put on the diagram mm, mm. is Premium Rush. Ooh, the this is, of course, Joseph Gordon-Levitt bike messenger film. Yes, you'd know it. I've seen it once, and it was on demand. So I don't know what year it came out in because I didn't go to the theater to watch it. I watched it a couple years after it came out. So I don't know if it's a 2013 movie. It seems like a pretty low budget, but it also seems like it's the height of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's powers. Like right when he was the most popular. So did they spend a yeah, lot of money for Yeah, there's lots of factors that go into the movie's budget, by the way. Like is a lot of CGI, is it a lot of like very, you know, high, like, uh, what's it called? A-list actors mm-hmm. that cost a lot of money to put in your movie. Is it just maybe like a really long movie or has a lot of different like locations and sets that they had to build? Like there's tons of different factors that could lead to a movie being high or low mm-hmm. budget. Or if you're Tommy Wiseau's The Room, did you shoot the movie on two different sets of cameras at the same time and buy the camera equipment instead of renting it, which is usually the studio standard? That will inflate your budget. Oh yeah. But Premium Rush. I'm just going to shoot my shot here. I'm going to say both. Ryan... You're correct that this movie has a budget that's less than $60 million. However, it did not come out in 2013. Was it 14? It was 2012. 12 the other way. The reason I know this is because... Because you looked it up before and wrote it on your paper. But I actually knew this before because one of my first dates with my girlfriend Veronica was to see Premium Russian Theaters (laughs) because we started dating in August of 2012. And here we are still together. Look at that. In October of 2019. Yep. Seven years and a few months. And how many days? Huh. And how many hours? Oh, I haven't done that math And how all. many minutes? Ooh, I would never know. And how many seconds? But it has been 40 miles. 10 miles. <laughs> okay. So, wait. Next Wait, movie. you're telling me you saw premium Russian theaters? Yes. How was that experience? It was fine. Like... I don't really remember anything about the movie. It was just like a movie that we saw together and then left and like almost instantly forgot. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies. Yeah. It definitely like... The one thing I do kind of remember is like I thought that the movie was going to be like a lot higher stakes and he was getting going to get involved in like some super gnarly like criminal just activity. just like a bike messenger in New York, right? It really right? wasn't that big of a deal. I, I'm trying to remember. I've probably seen it more recently than you because I didn't see it in 2012. And I don't remember it. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's a good time waster if you don't have anything else to watch, but there's so much other good there's content. There's just like to some watch. fun bike racing action on the streets in New York, which is kind of cool, but that's mm-hmm. it. Okay, next movie. Wait, did go. I get a half point for that or what? How does this point system No, work? it's like a full point or nothing. You have oh. to get you have to get it right. Because it doesn't always work out. Cuz then I could say both, both every time and just get at least one half point. Yeah. I understand. Okay. So you're you're zero for one right now. But here um, we go. I I have faith in you. I I predict that you're gonna get at least half of these right. There are six of these, by the way. Okay. 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 All right. The next movie is Evil Dead. 
The remake? It's the remake of the Sam Raimi film. I would say what year it came out, but that would spoil half of this game. Sam Raimi. Okay. The Raimi, the... Sam Raimi didn't do the remake. Sam Raimi uh-huh. did the original, and then this is the remake of that. It's directed by Fede Alvarez. And this movie doesn't have the the in the title. No, this movie's just called Evil Dead. And it's actually like a pretty big departure from the original film. I've only seen The Evil Dead. But it's very good. So like It's a good remake, or like reimagining, basically. I'm looking at The Evil Dead. I've seen that one. I know that one was made for a very, very low budget. I know this is like a big studio remake, but I still think it's a low budget. It's so low budget, they couldn't even afford the the in the title. But was it? I don't think it was 2013. I'm just going to say it's sixty under 60. Ryan, this movie did come out in 2013. No! And it had a budget less than $60 million. I thought it was another so 2012. It goes in the middle of our Venn diagram. Mm. Okay. I'm just taking a beating here. It's okay, Ryan. You still got time to get half of these right. Okay, okay, let's do it. The next movie is Jackass, Bad Grandpa. Bad Grandpa did not come out in 2013, but it did have a budget of under $60 million. I am very confident about this. Jackass, Bad Grandpa did come out in 2013. No, and it had a low budget. confidence. It gets both. Ryan, you've missed the first three I thought movies. Bad Grandpa was way more recent than 2013. Why is that so fresh in my mind? <laughs> I feel like the one that you're confused. I, I had this at first, too. Bad Grandpa was 2013, but there was the more recent movie with, like, Robert De Niro's like an old dude, and they're trying oh, to date young women. Like that's Aubrey right Plaza. with Zac Efron. What was yeah, that one? Called? That one called like Dirty Grandpa. That's why I got it messed up in my head. This is the Jackass one where he's I know he dresses up. Prank. It's like a yeah, yeah. I, okay. And the one thing I remember about this movie is it got that Johnny Knoxville sharts on the wall at a Coco's. Oh, you've seen this movie? Oh yes, I have not. It looked like he stands crap. up in a booth and he literally just projectile poops. All over the wall behind him in the middle of a Coco's. Wow, did you know that that film is Oscar nominated? Is it for makeup? For right? makeup. What a tragedy. It might have won, actually. I don't know. Okay. Ryan, you're 0 for 3 and you have to get I got the rest sweep. of these right I got a sweep. for my prediction to come true. And so now I'm in this race as well. Because I'm not I really actively working against you, just to let you know, Tyler. I'm not bombing this on purpose. Okay, Ryan, the next movie is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Two. Oh gosh, I knew number one wasn't in 2013, but then you threw the two in there, and I'm like, I don't know. This is the one with a classic joke. There's a leak in the boat. And I've it's, never it's seen the leak the like the one. one, the root vegetable. I haven't seen the second one. Me neither. This one has Andy Samberg in it. He's the star still. Isn't he in both of them? He is. Okay, that's why I said still. Um, but thank you for clarifying for our listeners. Um, it's an animated movie, and I feel like it's a sequel, so they're gonna up the budget. So I don't think it's the 60 million one. So that only leaves one option. It was the 2013 one. That's correct. Your inductive reasoning or is it deductive? I can't remember the difference. And I took a class in logic. But your reasoning <laughs> in some form led you down the right path and you got one correct. Yeah. Well done, Woo! All right. The next movie is Right Along. The buddy cop <sighs> comedy with Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. Oh, I'm glad you told me it was Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. Because I was thinking it was another Dwayne The Rock Johnson Kevin Hart movie. No, this is still Kevin Hart and Tough Guy movie. Mm-hmm. But not Kevin Hart and okay. The Rock movie. But then, Kevin Hart and The Rock had a movie very similar to this, right? Central Intelligence. Yes, where there's a cop and a little guy. <laughs> okay. And they made a ride-along too. Um, so that means they had two films 
since the first one came out. And it's been a while since the second one came out. So maybe this movie came out in 2013. And also it's a comedy. And comedies usually have lower budgets. This one just looks like you had to get Ice Cube and Kevin Hart and put him in a car. Um, I'm going to say both. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. This movie only had a budget less than $60 million. It came out in 2014. No! So close! Ugh. Sorry, Tyler. Your prediction is null and void. That's okay. But I can still go for one third. You've got one chance. One opportunity. Well, I've already gotten one. To get a second answer. Oh, Correct. okay, okay. The final movie on this list is Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Oh. This is Jeremy Renner I know. and some other I've actress. It. It's, it's like a gritty... It was a January movie. Retelling. Or a February movie. It was an early movie. But there was a lot of CGI going on. I want to say it was 2012, but I'm thinking it was January, so maybe it was January of 2013. Um, I'm just going to go with 2013. This movie was released in 2013 and has a budget of under $60 wow, million. Wow, that's impressive. I guess they do a lot of things in the dark so they can hide the bad CGI. Yeah, and they don't have to pay for lights. Mm-hmm. Plus, Jeremy Renner is fresh off the Avengers. It's also Je- Jeremy Renner, but then like almost everybody else on the cast, I had like no idea what their name. Yeah, were. I think Jeremy Renner was fresh off the Avengers, like in our time. But when they filmed it, I think it was before that, so he didn't have to make that big Marvel money budget. Mm. Well, I got one, and that makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. something cool. Um, Tyler, we just played a game. You know what I like to do after I play a game? What do you like to do after you play a game, Ryan? Talk about another trailer. Let's do it. This trailer is Queen and Slim. The movie comes out November 27th, and it's directed by Melina Matsoukas. Um, It's her directorial debut, and I'm sorry that I probably did not pronounce your last name right. Um, This stars Daniel Kaluuya, Jodie Turner-Smith, Chloe Sevigny, Flea, and Sturgill Simpson, two of which are musicians and Mm. those two do not play primarily in the trailer so we're not going to talk about them much no but this movie is the story of queen and slim slim is played by daniel kalua and queen is jody turner smith they go out on a first date i think it's like a tender date or something yeah um because he's like what made you swipe right mm -hmm. or swipe wait what's the good one i don't know i'm not on twitter and i'm single Um, well you are i'm on 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 tinder tinder and twitter you know very similar things Because I swipe so much on Twitter, but it's up and down, not left and right. Moving on. (laughs) Um, They go on their date, and they're driving back home, and they're having this good banter when they're pulled over by a cop. A white cop, and both Queen and Slim are black. Yes, I probably should have mentioned that, because race will definitely play a big part in this film. (laughs) It seems weird to introduce the movie by saying, and just so you know, these characters are white. And these characters are not but this is important, so we have to make mm-hmm, note of that. Mm-hmm. We do see color. So they get pulled over, and the cop says, Step out of the car, please, sir. And she's like, Why? Why are you doing that to him? She's like, Some lawyer or she something? She says, I'm an attorney, which yeah. is great. We love it. We love women, minority attorneys. Power to you. I thought you were saying, like, We love the writing that she says, I'm an attorney. No, I'm just saying I'm happy for Queen's success. Oh, okay. 
I'm glad you're already connecting with these characters this early on in the trailer, Tyler. Also, but she could also do way better than Daniel Kaluuya looks like a slacker. If you're a, fem- you're a female attorney, I mean, he's hot, but... But, like, if you're a female attorney and you're dating Daniel Kaluuya, real life Daniel Kaluuya, well, that's pretty big. he's not big. real life Daniel Kaluuya, though. He's, like... He's slim. He's tracksuit and take you to, like, Denny's on a first date, Daniel Kaluuya. I think they went to, like, Olive Garden is my guess. No, they were at, like, a diner. They were not at, like, a nice sit-down restaurant. I'm glad or you an think Olive Garden. Garden is a nice sit-down restaurant. <laughs> I like Olive Garden. They have good breadsticks. Anyway, he gets pulled not out of the car, and then an altercation For, like, happens. For failing to do a turn signal or some mm-hmm. bullshit like that. Because of every fucking news story that we see these days where like a black person does something mildly wrong, and all of a sudden the cop has his fucking gun pointed at him because... Racism. So there's a mild altercation um, where... The cop is trying to detain Slim. The cop's gun gets pulled out. It gets thrown on the floor somehow. Slim grabs well, the gun and shoots the cop. Yeah, the cop is pointing the gun at Slim, and then Queen gets out of the car, and the cop goes to point the gun at Queen, and so Slim takes the gun from the cop and shoots the cop instead. Mm, thank you, Tyler. You would be much better at like play-by-play like football well, commentary than it, I would. It might not be that intentional, but he's definitely trying to wrestle the gun away from him, and mm-hmm. maybe it goes off and kills him. Yeah, I don't think it was an intentional... I don't think it's intentional, but, like, it's not an intentional shooting, but it's definitely an intentional, like, altercation between... Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't want to get cop. shot. He has a gun pointed yeah, at him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's self-defense, which is what he says later in the trailer. They shoot the cop, and now they're on the run together. But and the, dash, like... the dash cam captures this altercation, so now their faces are known, mm-hmm. and there's widespread media of, like, these are the cop mm-hmm. killers that killed a cop and drove away and they're being chased by cops because of this and they don't know who to trust but it also seems like there's this other element of the movie where like a lot of the black community is on their side like more power to you power to the people kind of thing like so they're finding shelter at like black owned businesses and in black homes and things like this where they're being sheltered by this community because most likely because this community has seen the injustice that they have faced and finally there's people that have, have like stood up to this injustice people that are fighting back and it looks like maybe and it's not because they're fighting back because like they intentionally killed a cop yeah it's more because they're fighting like finally somebody chose not to be a victim in that situation Mm -hmm. and then they're so they're being revered as heroes because like finally it's about time that like we aren't subjugated to this anymore and like we should Mm -hmm. have our rights to like not be treated like animals or like criminals when we don't do well, we don't commit, like, heinous crimes. Exactly, but I also think there is a point. Like, some characters that they meet probably do think they intentionally killed that cop. And they're saying, yeah, shoot the pigs, like, that shoot us in the street every day. Now it's their turn, like, yeah. having that kind of mindset. So I think it's a combination of both. It kind of shows the, like, they're stuck in this middle of this tornado of all these different viewpoints and perspectives of this issue. And, like, they have to be in the eye of the storm of, like, it wasn't intentional, but we also were victimized. Like, all these different elements are swirling around them. And, like, they're finding, like, refuge and shelter and security wherever they can. They have to change their appearance. And, basically, it's the story of this trauma and this experience bringing the two of these characters closer together. Yeah. At one point in the trailer, someone says, y'all like the black Bonnie and Clyde. Which is, like, what sticks with me. Because Bonnie and Clyde, like, were always on the run. And, like, let's rob banks was their kind of thing. But they're not, like criminals like as by choice they're just on the run so it's more like a Thelma and Louise situation yeah but it's still Bonnie and Clyde and the fact that they have a relationship together and that that grows throughout the movie right and also there's an interesting point where like 
they're confronted by a black police officer, which I think could lead to some um, mm-hmm. interesting like commentary or dialogue in that scene. Like we talked about previously on this podcast movie, Black and Blue, which is primarily about like a black police officer that's having to serve black communities, but while being like mm-hmm. hated by that community. And so this is kind of like the flip side of that. Like, what do you do when you're a black person that has been victimized by the police? And now all of a sudden, like an officer that's trying to detain you or take you in is also black. Well, I think that scene is also interesting because the way they found by the black police officer is he pulls up the garage door and sees them in his garage in a car. So maybe like someone in his home has chose to harbor these people, even though like he may not know it and he may not be for it. He has to then consider, do I like go with the people in my house that made this choice or do I go with the like community I'm a part of with the cops and bring these people in because they killed one of my own uh, fellow cop yeah it's like the community versus duty and then like the space the mm-hmm. gray area in between yeah, basically exactly but this movie like looks fantastic layers. like not only with this commentary but also with the performances i mean daniel kaluuya is a fantastic actor um he's great in get out especially and i also really particularly love the episode that he stars in of black mirror do you million merits i really like him in widows he's good in widows too yeah he's just it's a little bit of a smaller role but yeah those are all fantastic performances by him. The writing in this movie also seems great. And Joey Turner Smith, I think she's like an in introducing like mm, build in this movie. So I think she's a new newbie, uh, newer actress, but she looks great in this film as well. So we're really excited to see this film in theaters. And I, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to jinx uh, this for award season buzz like we did with Goldfinch. But I think it looks great, and I think it'll receive some attention. Mm-hmm. Now, going from the movie about black people to the movie called Black Christmas. That was another great segue. Black Christmas is a three-time remake. It's the third time this movie's been remade. Well, it's the second time it's been remade. It's the third time a movie about this subject has been made with this title. Second remake. Yes. Third Um, Black Christmas movie. This movie comes out on December 13th and is directed by Sophia Tikal, who has done a movie called Always Shine before this. It's the only movie she's done before this that has a Wikipedia page. She did one other movie, but I guess it didn't get a Wikipedia page. So this we're, is a biggest movie. We're dealing with a lot of, or a few, like, pretty new directors on this episode. And then James Mangold, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, Anyways, guy. this movie stars Emotion Poots, Carrie Ellis, Lily Donahue, and Brittany O'Grady. This movie, basically the premise of this film and also all the other movies that also have this title and the storyline is a group of sorority sisters over the Christmas holiday on campus are stalked and murdered and attacked by a masked assailant. And it's a mm-hmm. slasher horror movie. But this this film looks like it's taking it more in the kind of satire black comedy direction a little bit. Mm. And also a little bit more of the like Less of just the horror and more of like the like, now these weird things are happening, but we're like gonna like girl power it up and like we're gonna we're gonna figure out what's happening here with horror elements and like mystery almost too. Like we're Mm -hmm. gonna figure out like I feel like the tone of this movie like trailer is very similar to the trailer for like Knives Out, even though I'm way more excited for Knives Out than the other one. Disagree because I feel like I know everything that's gonna happen in this movie based on the trailer. That's the difference. Like the tone is very similar, but this movie trailer is terrible with the spoilers and plot elements Tyler, you've seen (laughs) a previous version of this film correct yes i am going to predict the film based on solely the trailer 
and then you tell me how accurate that is well to that's the, the thing though films. is the spoilers in this trailer look like this movie's plot is going to be significantly different from the other movies that bear this title interesting well we're still playing this game because i set it up and we've got to follow through tyler okay there's a group of sorority girls there's also a group of um what are they called frat boys frat boys i almost called them sorority boys the frat boys frat boys seem like dicks the frat boys are actually part of this weird cult and they need to sacrifice one of the sorority girls so they try to go kill them on christmas so it's kind of like home alone but like more adult and r-rated and like baseball bats and shit but then towards the end we find out that they like are able to like somehow escape from all the boys or kill them but we find out that carrie always the dean of the school was actually behind it the whole time and he's the big bad at the end, which I feel like is a big twist that the trailer shouldn't have told me. How accurate am I to well, the I mean, movies? that seems like exactly what this movie is going to be. That's my assumption from the trailer as well. This The departure that seems like it's taking from this movie from earlier versions is like... the early. I haven't seen the other remake, which is 2006, 2006 but I've seen the original one, which is like 80-something. 76? 70-something. Something like that. And this one, obvi- I, probably because it's coming out in 2019, like... 76 one is very much like, oh, like college co-eds getting murdered and man, 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 whatever. Been done before. This one's way more like in the court of the Sorry Sisters and saying like, hey, we can like fight back. And like mm-hmm. centers way more on their dynamic of like our sisters, like the this trailer ends with like sister slay or something like that. Like using like, like the, the poster real, like, is then millennial like, language. Like and then it's like trying to promote that like we have each other's backs mm-hmm. kind of thing so wait in the other films is it more like a classic horror yeah slasher, it's more like a classic like, like slasher last girl like, kind of thing yeah oh and this one it's like we're not gonna take that shit mm-hmm. okay well so it's kind of like it's like doing what scream did better i okay <laughs> because scream was like hey look at all these slasher movies and what would happen if like these slashers took place in a like universe where horror movies existed and people actually learned from this shit and like so wait, this crazy stuff is actually happening. Are you people. saying this movie is doing what Scream did better? Like this movie is no, doing Scream it better than Scream did it way better. <laughs> okay, this the movie way is just saying, yeah, no, 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 no. Scream is like one of the best horror movies ever. Um, this movie just looks like it's kind of like that modernization of like the classic slasher tropes and turning them into a new direction mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, it um, looks fine. It looks basic. It kind of looks too cheesy for my taste. And definitely and like... way too spoiler in the trailer. Like, mm-hmm. we see this weird, like, ceremony where all these people were in robes and talking about sacrifices. And then we see a shot of Carrie Ellis, like, not well, he's like not in masked row. in the same row that we just watched people like, in masks. So I was like, hooded. you shouldn't have showed me that if that was going to be the twist. But, like, there's a, a small part of me that really hopes that, like, it's a fake plot reveal in the trailer this but movie they have to look, do way too many things this movie doesn't look like it's smart that. enough to do that kind of thing this movie looks like basic looks kind of cheesy looks kind of dumb it looks like it could be fun but it doesn't look like it'll be great yeah all right that's black christmas 2019 2019 ryan it's time to give the people what they've been waiting for all summer it's the recap of our summer box office movie game Woo! okay so last a couple episodes ago Brian, I asked you on to summer movie game. <laughs> I asked you to give us like a snapshot of where we were at, and I think we did it too late, Ryan, because I asked. I wanted to make sure that we didn't jump the shark and give our scores 
when like the things were finalized and you said no there's still room for things to grow and things to change there was but did it things still did make money um for a while like remember last time we did this good boys had just come out and it would needed a lot of money to catch up it didn't break the top 10 but it made it to number 12 so things changed, but nothing changed enough to actually change the things that we were tracking. Well, um, the things that we were tracking, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, did make more money, but not enough to make more money than Hobbs and Shaw. So basically what I'm saying, what I'm asking is, is this top 10 just the same as the last time that we touched on this game? Oh, very much so. Nothing has changed since the last time we talked in, um, in the rankings of the top 10, um, which means... So if, if you, you want to hear that, go back to episode 10. If you don't remember. And, no, I'm kidding. Ryan's um, going to do it right now. Yeah. Tyler, you won. We're going to say that right now because the people By might like have remembered. one remember. point, right? Um, yeah, something like that. I haven't calculated the points, but I know it hasn't changed since episode 10. So I didn't recalculate them. But I know you're the winner. I think I won by like a single point. It's like or one or like two that. points. Because the way this was being scored was if you put a movie in the top 10 and it was actually in the top 10, you got one point. If you put a movie in the top 10 in the right slot, so if you put a movie at number 9 and that movie mm-hmm. did end up being number 9, you'd receive two points. Exactly. And right now, before I reveal the actual summer top 10, which I had to um, like remember and listen to our old episode because I knew it hadn't changed because I looked at Box Office Mojo last week and saw that hadn't changed, but that when I was trying to plan for this episode today, I couldn't look at those stats on Box Office Mojo. We've already been in over this rant. I need to calm down. Okay, before we get into the actual top 10 box office, I'm just going to remind everyone what we predicted the actual top 10 box office would be for the summer of 2019, domestic. I predicted at number 10, Good Boys. Number 9, Annabelle Comes Home. Number 8, The Secret Life of Pets 2. Number 7, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Number 6, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number 5, Aladdin. Number 4, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Number three, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number two, Toy Story 4. And number one, The Lion King. And then Tyler predicted, more correctly I might add, I'm eating my slice of humble pie. He predicted number 10, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Number nine, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number eight, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Number seven, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Number six, Men in Black International. Number five, Fast and Furious Present, Hobbs and Shaw. Number four, Toy Story 4. Number three, Aladdin. Number two, Spider-Man Far From Home. And number one, The Lion King. As stated earlier in this podcast on episode 10, we both together successfully guessed 10 movies that were in the top 10. Between the two of us. Between the two of us. All the 20 like within those lists, Men in Black things, International did not make it into the neither top. Neither did 10. Annabelle or Good Boys. But if you cherry pick the right ten out of both of our lists, we got there, but they're just not in the right order. Well, I did get a couple in the right order. So did I. Yeah. If you combined it, maybe. I don't know. You'd have to play with it. But here is the actual 2019 domestic summer box office report. At number ten, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Number nine, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number eight, Hob- er, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Number seven, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Number six, The Secret Life of Pets 2. Number five, 
John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Number 4, Aladdin. Number 3, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number 2, Toy Story 4. And number 1, The Lion King. So, Tyler had a lot of the things in the right placement towards the bottom, and I had a lot of things in the right placement towards the top. I think what made the difference was me getting both Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and King of the Monsters in their right slot. Exactly. At, at number 10 and number 9. Because that gave you the bonus points mm-hmm. for having them there. Because you the had right Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on your list, but not in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even have King of the Monsters. No, but I did have The Secret Life of Pets 2. Which I did not which have. Which you did not. But you didn't have that one in the right spot. No, so I didn't. So that made so the I difference. Got the one that point. was my one point mm-hmm. above from you. Exactly. Bam. Figured it out. That's the analysis. And thank you for caring about the segment, if you cared about it. If you didn't care about the segment and you've been skipping through it, Now's the time to stop doing that because we're done with it. Mm-hmm. And we can't do a fall box office game because box office mojo's lame now. All right, Ryan. Before we sign off this week, I got to ask you, what trailer did you enjoy the most that we talked about this week? All right, the and what movie that we talked about week? this week are you most excited to see? Okay, okay. Let me think about this. The trailer I liked the most this week, I have to say was Honey Boy. And I also think that's the movie I'm most excited to see. It looks interesting. The trailer sets a good tone for the movie. The performances look great. I'm excited to see Lucas Hedges get snubbed again because he's never nominated and he's always so great. Um, Yeah, Honey Boy gets both of the points for me this week. What about you, Tyler? I think the trailer I enjoyed the most is Honey Boy as well. Um, I really like the music that's used. I like the little snapshots that we see and all the performances and all the like little details of, you know, the Transformers explosion set and the even Steven's oh, pie the cargo in the face pants. stuff. Like, just all as somebody that I feel like I've kind of grown up with Shia LaBeouf in the public light. Like, <laughs> you were. I was a child. One? I was a child when he was on a children's show. I was like a young adult when he was making young adult movies, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, like, I feel mm-hmm. like I've matured alongside Shia LaBeouf similarly like not in a similar way as him but like on a similar trajectory that's how time works yes yes as as Shia LaBeouf has gotten older I too have gotten older um but in a way we've all kind of grown up with Shia LaBeouf like I watched Holes for the first time when I was in a youth detention center like that's just a part of my story yeah and we'll never delve into that ever again next (laughs) Tyler's time in the youth detention center will remain a mystery. It's going to stay off of my biopic, too. It's not that important. It's all about losing the podcast and cutting my hand. Yeah, that's the real tragedy. Anyways, but the movie that I'm actually most excited to see, I think, is Queen and Slim, just because mm. I'm super stoked for those performances and to see, like, the full narrative of, the, of this film. Like, the trailer really sets up the premise very well, and I want to see, like, kind of where the story goes. I think that it's not going to yeah. be a happy ending. Um, but it might be melancholy. I, yeah, that's what I'm kind of wanting, is that kind of, like, very gritty, like, true-to-life type of story. But it doesn't look like it's going to be a completely depressing movie. It no, looks it's like very, like, like hope. definitely some hope and romance in it, but also, like, they're in a very dire situation, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of this, like, balancing act. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. But it looks like Honey Boy's got three votes. Queen Honey of Slim's only got one of mine. Has so one. And I Congratulations. Throughout this podcast, I've realized that Lucas Hedges is one of my favorite actors working today, and maybe that has influenced my vote. But it doesn't matter because it's my vote and you win, honey boy. Congratulations to, um, what's her name? Amal. Alma Harrell. Alma Harrell? Yep. Yeah. 
Congrats, Alma. Way to go. All right, well, that's the end of episode 14 of Preview Review. And if you don't hear this one, it's because we lost it too. I've been Tyler Ellison. I'm always Ryan Toon. You can follow Preview Review on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Preview Review. And you can also follow either Ryan or I or both of us on Twitter. You can fill out that Venn diagram by yourself. We uh, at the Preview Review podcast a lot. So just look for that if um, we're the we're ones you like want to follow. We're also the only people that the Preview Review accounts follow. So oh, yeah. you can just check check the following. Yeah, if you really want following to Following list? Yeah. But you don't have to. All we ask is that you follow the main account, Preview Review. Yeah. And if you want more... You'll get notified when new episodes air, and sometimes we put some fun stuff on there for you to enjoy. We haven't since, you know, we've been going through a real tough... Depression. ...time. But uh, hopefully in the future, there'll be some uh, social media treats for you. Mmm, treats. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mmm, bye. Bye. Bye.